1: Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge, and let's talk about some true crime. Well, hey, Tori. Oh, hey! Yeah, um, you've I thought never, it— You've mm-hmm. never addressed me directly, so. I try not to acknowledge you, but today I decided, today, you know, today's the day. Okay, well— Turn over a new leaf. Hi, Terella. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm hi thank you it feels weird to like say hi Torella I don't know why it does it's weird yeah Yeah. Mm. all right so we are doing the mysterious deaths of the Jameson family today Mm. and we are coming off the heels of covering worst roommate ever on our doc jams yeah and we just like because the last guy, his name was spelled Jamison like this, but it, they pronounced it Jamison. Like, that's how he pronounced it. And and his friend called him Jammy. I fucking hate it. That's I, awful. I know y'all couldn't tell, but I was rolling my eyes so much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so hard to, like, see this name now and not be, like, the Jamison family. Yeah. I mean, they are the Jamisons or, like, the Jammy family. Jammy family. Yeah. Yeah. But it is not. It's it's Jameson. It's yep, the it's way Jameson. the Lord intended it. Exactly. So this one, we want to give a hey girl thanks to Madison. Oh, Madison. Thanks. Yes. And thanks to Grace Morrison for requesting it. Yes. And we do have some trigger warnings. So we are going to be discussing drug use, paranormal and spirits, suicide, child death, and pedophilia. So if any, part of I would that. also say there is some racism, white oh, supremacy. absolutely. And a touch of um, animal neglect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if any of that is triggering in any way, we completely understand. And there is no worries at all. We'll catch you on the next episode, hopefully. But just wanted to let you know. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to do a little brief overview for you guys. Perfect. Oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) On October 8th, 2009, the the Jameson family, consisting of dad Bobby, mom Sherilyn, and six-year-old Madison, left their home in Eufaula, Oklahoma, to drive to a nearby mountain area to check out a parcel of land they were considering purchasing. Eight days later, the truck was found on a dirt road in the mountain area, abandoned with the family dog locked inside. What happened to the family and where were they now? It would be another four years before investigators were able to answer just one of those questions. They found the Jamesons, but still had no idea what happened to them in October of 2009. Oh my gosh. Okay, you guys, before we get into today's case, you know we got to tell you about all the fun stuff going on over on the Patreon. So we've got bonus episodes there. All kinds of fun stuff. Um, You even get access to a private Facebook group that we're, you know, get to hang out with us a little bit more in there. But, you know, you throw us a few bones every month. We give you a bunch of extra stuff. Win-win. Oh, my gosh. Love it. And tomorrow, our murder mixtape drops and we're covering, guys, oh, my gosh, this one hit me hard the incredible survival story of Alison Bota, and you will not believe what happened to her and how she survived it. It is insane. You guys, the whole thing, you'll just get chills. You'll want to throw everybody out the window. So many things are happening. Absolutely. On Friday, we drop our last episode of Captive Audience, and this episode goes over the dastardly deeds Mm. of Carrie Stainer, which is Steven Stainer's older brother. And remember, he was abducted when he was seven years old, and then he came back home. This guy, absolute dickhead. Like, can't even begin to describe it. Right. And, I mean, guys, the um, alleged reasons for him doing what he did, come on. Jeez, yeah. And, of course, Sunday is where we drop our weekly catch-up episode. We call it the T to the fourth power Why? It's just some time to talk to you. It has nothing to do with true crime, but if you guys want to get a little insight into our private lives, what's going on with us. We talk about literally whatever we want, anything, everything. It's all the things mm-hmm. that's on Sunday and you get a little Sunday titty. So exactly. So go to patreon.com slash to join in on the fun. And you definitely want to be sure to join our email list because we let you know every episode that we drop every single week there. Um, but you also get like fun 90s flashbacks. You get extra like kind of insight into our lives that you don't get anywhere else. So definitely check it out, killerqueens.link slash email. Yes, and now we're going to get on to the case. So let's talk about who were the Jamesons. The Jameson family was made up of Father Bobby, Mother Sherilyn, and daughter Madison. Also, the Madison's name is spelled M-A-D-Y-S-O-N. And I listened to the scripts on my Natural Reader app so that I can, like, multitask yeah oprah calls it multitasking Uh, and um bless her uh i think her name is sharon the the voice i have and she pronounced it Madison. oh like (laughs) almost like my dyson blow dryer like a Madison. but it was really (laughs) funny i was like it's madison (laughs) close (laughs) close close (laughs) close so madison had a dog Maisie, and she loved this dog it was like her bff They took Maisie everywhere like Madison had to be with Maisie at all times. Mm -hmm. Bobby Dale Jameson was born on August 4th, 1965 to Bob Dean and Starlet Jameson. What a cute name. Bob Dean and Starlet. Get out of here. I know. Sherilyn Leanne Jameson was born on November 5th, 1968 to Connie Cocotan. Bobby and Sherilyn met in the summer of 2002 and Sherilyn knew that this was the man for her. Her best friend, Nikki chenold i think maybe Mm -hmm. uh said that sherilyn decided right then and there that they were meant to be together and nikki said bobby was a gentleman and a very good person and you know he didn't want to do anything wrong he always wanted to try to do the right thing sherilyn was described as someone who stood up for what she believed in if she believed in something she like went full force with her whole heart and she used to tell nikki that everybody should stand for something i literally was waiting for the rest of yes yes You've got to stare for-, for something or fall for anything. I'm trying to be really nasally because that Are was- you Aaron? Aaron oh. Tippin? I've got the mustache for it, I'll tell you what. And the Mickey Mouse tank top, which shows my nips. Oh my gosh. I have mean you've seen yeah. him in that Mickey Mouse tank top. <laughs> of course I have. It's <laughs> precious. I know. <laughs> you've got to be your own, not a puppet. Oh a string. Oh, God. I mean, you've had the mustache for a long time, but the voice is really coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I have been You trying. are welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so two years after they met, Bobby and Sherilyn married in July of 2004. The year before that, on August 1st, 2003, Sherilyn gave birth to Madison Stormy Star Jameson. What a name. I know. It's so cute. And she was just, gosh, she was precious. Especially, I mean, all throughout her little tiny life, but, the baby videos get out of here i was like that is a gerber baby yes okay also there's a um an episode of disappeared on this case if you want to see it it's season two episode 10 it's called paradise lost Mm. you know just i I like to have like you know pictures and stuff like that to put with you know whatever so if you want to watch it you can the we'll never get over disappeared's intro music it's horrific it is And they insist on playing it every time they come back from a commercial break, which is... Oh my gosh, it's horrible. Yeah. Get over it. But the family said that, like, literally, Bobby and Sherilyn were like... They weren't just excited to have a daughter. They were elated. Their entire world revolved around her. They did everything that they could for her. She was the most important thing in their lives, I think Sherilyn said, you know, hands down, it's like the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Like, they were just like over the moon about this little girl. So sweet. The family lived on a lake property in Eufaula, Oklahoma. Bobby's mother, Starlet, said that they seemed like a happy family. Madison was a happy little girl, and Starlet called her her best friend. This is tragic. Ugh. Yeah. So we're going to get into the disappearance. On October 8th, 2009, the Jamesons left their home around 10 a.m. and they drove the 30 miles to the San Bois, San Bois Mountains. I feel Sands in Oklahoma, Bois. it's probably not Bois, but I don't know. The Sands Bois Mountains in Red Oak, Oklahoma. We'll, we'll get them mess. We don't, it's not, you know. The Sands Bois. Yeah, we don't. We don't mean anything by any mispronunciations it's just you know we're not we're not familiar with every city and every state no and you know we don't even need the pronunciation it'll be fine no 44-year-old Bobby and 40-year-old Sherilyn had been thinking of buying a plot of land in the rural area, and they wanted to get away from people and live more remotely. Bobby had a 40-acre plot of land in the mountains, and he had found it online, and they hoped to build a home there in the future. For the time being, their plan was to live on the rural land in a large shipping container, and they currently had that in their front yard at their home in Uvala. The family of three and their dog Maisie traveled in their truck to the Sands Boys Mountains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The last con Yep. Well, I was think- I was thinking we wouldn't be saying it very much, but here we are. In fact, <laughs> it's, fact it's going to be a lot. <laughs> Sasbois. bois. Boi. Boi. <laughs> Les Poissons. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know how to pronounce it and I don't I wish I did, but yep. No, they ideas. don't say it not one time in the in the disappeared, I don't think. I, I if they did, I didn't hear it. Yeah, I've only read it. Yeah, so guys, forgive me. I know not what I do. But they traveled to these mountains in their truck, and the last confirmed sighting of the family was by a man who lived in the area on the eighth. Fast forward eight days. On October 16th, several hunters on four-wheelers were cruising around the mountains, and they found a locked truck on a dirt road near t- the top of one of the mountains. And inside of the vehicle, they saw a dog who was alive, but very, very malnourished. The oh dog, gosh. this is terrible. I mean, it's all terrible, right? Like, we talk about terrible things every day, but I think that some people can relate and understand when I say, when when animals are involved, like, it pulls at my heartstrings. Yes. She was inside of the truck, and she had been eating her own feces to survive. Oh, my God. The hunters contacted the Latimer County Sheriff's Office, who dispatched officers, to a report of an abandoned vehicle. The deputies broke the glass window of the vehicle. They got the dog out. The dog was fine and returned to Starlet, Bobby's mother. They began to look through the cluttered cab of the truck, looking for anything that might indicate who the truck belonged to. And oddly enough, there were still cell phones, they had wallets, a purse, and coats still inside of the car. The sheriff's office assumed that the owners of the truck were likely lost in the nearby woods based on the fact that their belongings were still in the vehicle. The five or six deputies who were on the scene began searching the area immediately, and they couldn't find, like they couldn't go too far because the terrain in this area is extremely rugged. It made the search very difficult. The sheriff's office was able to find that the truck was registered to Bobby Jameson, and they contacted the Jameson's family and friends who said that they hadn't heard from the family in over a week. And deputies didn't understand why no one had reported them missing, especially with there being a six-year-old child involved. But their friends, anybody Mm. who knew the Jamesons well, they said that they were a very private family. It was not weird for them to leave the house and not let anybody know. I mean, Sherilyn's best friend, Nikki, in the Disappeared episode, she was like, we would go a, a year without speaking. And then we would just pick yeah. up where we left off. It was not uncommon. mm No. And, I mean, we'll get into it. But there are just, like, a lot of reasons why. Yeah, I mean, that's just how they were. And they they were, like, kind of live-off-the-land kind of people, you know. Yeah. You wouldn't know. Yeah. And, yeah, so it was not—this was not a crazy— occurrence for them. Mm -mm. And people who lived and worked nearby had noticed the truck parked on the dirt road and just assumed it belonged to a work crew. There were a lot of oil wells in the area and crews were often working on them. With no obvious sign of the family nearby, police used the GPS on Bobby's and Sherilyn's cell phones to reconstruct their last movements. The GPS showed that they didn't spend most of their time parked in that spot. It led police up a nearby hill where they found footprints that they felt confident that they belonged to a small child, probably Madison. They continued to follow the footprints and GPS, and it led them to a bluff area. Bobby's cell phone's most recent photo was of Madison, and it seemed like it was in that exact spot on the bluff. In the photo, though, Madison has a strange expression on her face, and it looks like she's crossing her arms. Some people have speculated that this photo was concerning, and they thought maybe Madison was scared or upset, but other people thought she's six. She didn't want to take a photo. Maybe she had just thrown a fit or a tantrum. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't... I mean, obviously, I I didn't know her. It didn't look that strange to me. It looked like she was just... It looked like if you're trying to take a photo of a kid and you're like, hey, look over here, smile. And so she's, like, looking in a different direction... And just probably like talking mm. in between, you know, like whatever. I mean, maybe she's I don't just know. big you fat didn't want to do it, yeah. Exactly. They're literally <laughs> Andrew took Ben to a UT game, like just the two of them last year, I think. So he was what, five? And <laughs> you know what? I need to post these pictures in the hangout group. But literally every picture that Andrew tried to take of Ben, like with, you know like, stuff at the UT campus or, like, whatever. Ben's face, it, he's laying down on the ground burying his head. I remember these pictures. Yeah. So there's, like, 15 pictures, and they're all with Ben's head buried, like, because he's, like, just didn't want to look at the camera and refuse to take any photos. <laughs> Literally. His ass is up in the air, and he is just trying not to take a picture and covering his face. how kids are. <laughs> like, it was so funny. Sometimes if they don't want to do something, like, yeah, it, yeah it's just— you know, when they're really little, a lot of times you can be like, time, take a picture. Like, Jesse is still in the, I'm like, hey, buddy, we're going to take a picture. He's like, cheese. Like, yeah. he'll automatically do it. But Ben is over. Pictures. Yes. Meanwhile, when I was little, if somebody brought out a photo, or a photo, a camera, I was like an angry bird. Like, don't. Yep. Yep. And or your mouth was full of food somehow. <laughs> toys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to speak. Well, I, I didn't speak to just anybody. But anyway. So, after the photo was taken, GPS led police to believe that the family returned to the truck and began to leave the area. And while the search continued, other deputies went through the family truck. Guys, (laughs) there was quite a bit of trash and clutter inside. And one deputy reached under the driver's seat and found a hidden bank bag that had $32,000 in cold hard cash. Wow. I've never seen that amount of money that wasn't Monopoly money or the game of life money. Yeah, I wonder. So I know they were going to look at a plot of land. Would this have maybe been like their earnest money or something, like a down payment or something? No idea. But I, I haven't seen anything where they were like supposed to meet with somebody. It was just they were supposed to go check out the land. So I don't know if they were meeting with somebody and being like, okay, we'll take it. Here's Or down payment? I don't know. Because there's a lot of theories about this money. Right. And I find it to be really interesting that they even had that much money because we'll get into it, but Bobby had not been Mm -hmm. able to work for a significant amount of time. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. But with no sign of the family and the significant amount of cash found, deputies began considering that they might be dealing with foul play. They taped off the area as a crime scene and began theorizing why the family would have been traveling with so much cash. And their initial thought was drugs. Latimer mm. County Sheriff Israel Beechamp. Uh, guys. What? I thought it was Beauchamp. They said Beecham in the disappeared. Wow. I, okay. Yep. This is why reading is deceptive. Mm-hmm. If you spell it out or if you sound it out, it looks like Beauchamp. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense, but yeah. I could never catch his name in the lower, what do you call it, lower third or whatever? hmm But oh, but you heard it. Yeah. I, I heard missed it. them pronouncing yeah. it. That's another thing that is helpful about this is pronunciations, but they didn't they did a study with Sansbois. Saint Bois did. Anyway, yeah, this guy is like fi, yeah, yeah. I know. When I started watching it, I was like, hello, nurse. Oh my goodness, he is a cutie. I mean, could the producers of disappeared not been like, Um, part of what we do on the show is you have to lift heavy things and no shirts allowed. Yeah I, mean, I could have done with a little less shirt and a lot more pecs, but you mm-hmm. know, maybe maybe he got sweaty, I don't know. <laughs> maybe his pants came down a little i i, I don't, I don't, know. I, don't know. I don't know I don't know I don't know. We don't know what would happen. <laughs> I'm just saying if you watch the disappeared, your eyes will thank you it he's a he's a cutie. Yep. With a baby, probably. But so, Israel Sheriff Israel Beecham, he mm-hmm. said that the area was inundated with methamphetamine use. And the thing is, like, could they have been involved in the local drug trade? There were no signs of drugs uh, or paraphernalia in the truck, but it was still at the top of their list of theories. But also, like, they didn't find any drug stuff at their house either, right? No, I don't know. The only thing that I could think is that, I mean, in this area, where we live. That's why yes. we have such amazing burn units is because meth is a big yeah, a yeah. big drug of choice here. I definitely get that. And kind of the way he talked about it in the beginning was like he said, you know, the way that a lot of us, you know, were taught in investigation and the way that I was taught was you don't rule anything out in the beginning, you know, like any theory. And then as you collect evidence, then you start crossing stuff off the list. Like, okay, well, it's not this because, you know, whatever. Right. And he's like, then you're kind of left with, like, a process of elimination and, like, getting closer to the end. But he was like, we found a ton of evidence in this case. Like, a lot of evidence. And literally, like, none of it was helpful. So Yeah. And he's, he, he usually like, said they couldn't really cross anything off. Right. I think it's it's got to be so frustrating because he's like, we have, we have more evidence than a lot of people could hope for hmm And we couldn't make it make sense. No. And it doesn't. It does not make sense. No, but I mean, rather than talking about it, why don't we talk about it? Okay. Does that make sense? No. No. Okay. All right. I, it made sense in my little tiny pea brain, but. Well, it would, wouldn't it? We'll talk. We're, instead of talking about talking about it, let's just go ahead and talk about it. Shut up. Just talk about it. Oh, my God. Okay. So, even more concerning than the money that was found. Mm-hmm. What wasn't in the truck is more concerning. So according to Sherilyn's friends and family, she had a pistol that she carried with her almost always, and she kept it with her while they were in the vehicle, but they couldn't find it at all. Not in the house, not in the truck, nowhere. On October 17th, this is less than 24 hours after the hunters had found the Jameson's truck, a large search was conducted with several fire departments, EMS, forestry services, local volunteers, and search dogs. People were canvassing the area on foot. They had four-wheelers, horseback, There were helicopters in the air looking for any sign of the family. And the thing is, okay, everything is uphill. The conditions of the land made it incredibly difficult to search. The search was dangerous because not everybody knew the woods, but even the ones who did still had difficulty navigating the hazardous area. The scent dogs were interested in a few different areas, and one of those was a nearby water tank that was full of water. They drained the tank. Nothing was found. Mm. Despite the enormous search area, her efforts, nobody was able to find any sign of them. One thing that greatly concerned Starlet, who is Bobby's mother, was that Maisie the dog had been left in the inside of the vehicle and it was locked. And she said that Maisie was Madison's little buddy. Like, she would have hollered if her mom and dad tried to leave the dog in the car. So police quickly ruled out mechanical issues with the truck. There was no, no signs of vehicle damage. The truck ran completely fine. And there was plenty of gas in the tank. There were no signs of a struggle near the truck, like no blood, no broken glass. But why did they disappear into thin air? Like, where did they go? Where did they go? Inside of Sherilyn's belongings inside of the truck, police found an 11 page letter that was written to Bobby from Sherilyn. And this letter front and back. Front and back. This letter Mm -hmm. was full of hate. Yeah. She lashed out against her husband. She expressed discontent with him with their marriage she accused him of being a loner not needing a family Sherilyn's friends wondered if this letter had been the kind of letter you might write just to get your feelings out you know sometimes you just have to write how you're feeling down but you never have any intent of giving it to Mm -hmm. the person that you wrote it to right you just got to like get it out let it go but police questioned the Jameson's loved ones about the state of Bobby and Sherilyn's marriage and they found out that in the past few months They had some serious stress. Um, Bobby and Sherilyn had even spoken about divorce. They, it seemed like they just decided, okay, we need a fresh start. Maybe this will help the relationship. This is what prompted Bobby to find the land for sale in this rural area. Yeah. So the land in Red Oak was absolutely remote. It was near an old, an abandoned oil well, and the area was full of forest cliffs, ravines, This was going to be their next step in building a new, simpler life. The Jamesons were excited to join a small community that took pride in their independence, their self-sufficiency. And most people in the mountain area lived with the bare minimum. This is a more rustic way of life. Starlet said her son and his family wanted to get away from the mainstream, from the crowds. They just wanted to enjoy their own life without having to answer to anyone. This kind of reminds me a little bit of... um my brother and sister-in-law, Andrew's oh, yeah. brother and uh his wife, they are they live on a a pretty big farm. And it's just their address? As, you wanna come at me? <laughs> you take this outside? <laughs> It's a beautiful day. i obviously like to post outside. the address in the Facebook group. I'm not a monster. <laughs> okay, that's a more private area, you know. Yeah. But they've just gradually, as the years have gone on, they have become more and more self sufficient. It's really cool to see. Like they homeschool their kids. Um, they like they have animals. They like, do they have central heat and air? No. Yeah, I didn't think they did. Mm mm and. Andrew's brother built, like, added on a lot to this house or whatever. He can build, like, he literally can build a mall out of toothpicks. Like, he's incredible. He's so talented. But they have, like, a furnace that they use. And, like, he, they butcher their own cows. Like, they have become where they, and they, like, grow most of their own food. Like, they really don't have to go for much, you know? Uh, They live off of the land. And I think that is incredible because, like, I think it's the difference between, like, a wolf and, um, like, a domesticated dog. hmm Do you know what yeah. I mean? Well, like— And, like, their kids are learning all that kind of stuff. Like, their boys are learning how to raise livestock and how to grow their own food. Like, it's—I don't know. It's really cool. Like, I don't think I would do well living that way. I would not. No, no, no. But I think it's really cool. Like, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it does kind of make it hard for them to travel because they have animals and stuff that they have to take care of. Sure. But I mean, it is a cool way of life. Like, you know, you do what you want. Now, where they live, Amazon does still deliver. So that's nice. Okay. Right. Just in cases. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It is nice to have some Amazon purchases. But yeah, I do think that it's something about it is really, really interesting to me. But like you said yourself, I don't think that I could deal with that because I, <laughs> i don't want to call myself materialistic i just like things like i like to collect things i like to watch tv like you know there are certain Mm -hmm. that my lifestyle is that of i need some uh some new technology and new i just need uber Eats to deliver my starbucks every morning see and that's something i don't get right now and it's it hurt it hurts me yep exactly all right, so police searched the Jameson home, but again, they found no signs of drugs or paraphernalia there, which, I don't know, to me would kind of seem like, well, then we can probably rule the drug thing out. And because like, wouldn't well, there at least be some, you would some evidence, you know? Like, even if they don't do drugs themselves, or they're selling them or whatever, like, wouldn't there be something? Well, yeah, I mean, if your first thought is drugs, and you have absolutely no evidence that it is drugs— and then you only find no evidence. Why are you still mm. holding on to that? Where do, yeah. Like it just seems we're all like set drugs. Out. And hit, their family was pretty upset about that because they were like, it makes them sound like, not make them sound bad because, like, you know, obviously, like drugs are a huge problem. It affects all different kinds of people. But just if that's not part of their life, then it's not part of their life. Like, you know what I mean? It just, and their family was like, it just makes them sound. Bad, and they weren't involved in that. Like, yeah, move well, on. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's developing a narrative that is false. And nobody wants to be known as a drug abuser, drug addict. Like, not that it's anything to be sh- ashamed of if that yeah. has been your story, but if it's untrue, let's right. not perpetuate yeah. this narrative. Or that they're, like, you know, big, like, that they're selling drugs or whatever. That they right. couldn't have... You know, yeah, they were living, they lived meagerly, especially after, you know, Bobby wasn't working anymore. Yeah. But that's not to say that they hadn't put, you know, money away for however many years knowing that they wanted to buy a pro- you know, like. Well, yeah, and, and I could imagine if you're, if you have loved ones, whether it's friends or family, that have just been thrown into the spotlight because of something terrible like being missing, you don't want somebody to make up shit about them, whether it's yeah. the police or the media or whoever. Yeah, like I get that, you know, you're going to have theories and stuff and that's fine. But it just seems like they found enough to say, well, this isn't the case for them. I yeah, but they still took it and ran with it enough to where it's, yeah. we're talking about it now. Yeah, they don't they don't want to let go of it. Um, but the police also learned that Bobby and Sherilyn had pulled Madison out of school recently and they were planning to homeschool her. And again, that makes sense if they were going to move to an even more remote area, homeschooling just makes sense. The strange thing though, and, and so this is another reason that they, people didn't realize they were missing for a while mm-hmm. because she wasn't in school anymore. Yeah, So there's so. no, nobody to tip anybody off to be like, Hey, we haven't seen so-and-so. I mean, why? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But Sherilyn had recently dyed Madison's hair, which people found pretty odd given her age. And it looked like she dyed it like blonde or or bleached it. Now, as a former hairstylist, I will say it's outside of the norm for sure. It's a rare occurrence to have a seven, six-year-old getting their hair done. Have I done it? 100% like like put blonde highlights in their hair or like a kid wanted like a pink streak in their hair or something the answer is yes both oh yeah one kid seven little boy we bleached his entire top of his head and put blue in it little girl full head of highlights she was six who wanted the highlights the mom or her i think the answer again is yes Really, mm-hmm. like it's just weird that a six-year-old would be like, "I really need highlights." Oh, I know. Like it just seems like they that that wouldn't be, like, on their mind. I know. And the little boy apparently he was in gymnastics, and all of the little kids. It was like the, fay, or the uh, uh, yeah. fad. Like I mean, night. I could see that, like, wanting a cool color in your hair. Oh, whatever. absolutely, sure. Yeah, but um, and I guess the little girl, like, if she. <laughs> If she did well at something, maybe school or her dance recital, I don't know what it was, but there was incentive and it was like, if you do this, if you get through this, then we're going to do highlights. And she was six. What color did she have naturally? I mean, like a dishwater light blonde. It was, Mm. you know what I mean? Like, or I guess the dark, dark medium blonde. It was, I mean, it lifted like that and it was beautiful, but I'm like, you know, there's going to be a lot of maintenance for this because we did so many. I mean, it was an, an entire head of highlights. I mean, can you imagine, like, having, yeah, having to keep up, like, not only with your own hair, but then your six-year-old's highlight regimen? Can you imagine putting highlights in a six-year-old kid's hair that doesn't want to sit still for two and a half hours? Exactly. They don't know how to sit still. They think they're being still, and they're like, I'm not moving, and it's like, all you're doing is moving. I know. Like, do you understand? Can you feel yourself right now? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I guess, I don't know, I guess this is interesting, because it seemed a little weird to me, but at the same time, like... Coloring your hair, like, wasn't as mainstream, I feel like, when we were younger as it is now. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't something that, like, I mean, mom would get, like, boxes of hair color sometimes. But, like, you know, it's pretty expensive. And I just feel like, I mean, or or at least for us, we went to, like, great clips to get our hair cut or whatever. Yeah. We didn't, which is fine. But, like, we didn't go to salons that had, like, a lot of coloring services or whatever. I didn't start coloring my hair until I was in high school. But I didn't start until I was out of high school. Well, yeah. What is that supposed to mean? Because you didn't do anything to your hair while you were in high school. It's just a fact. But, like, I'm just wondering, like, you know, the listeners, like, do you guys either, like, have kids that you've colored their hair really young or... Know somebody that has? I'm just interested because it was, it did seem like, oh, I hadn't really heard of that before this, but maybe it's not unusual. Like maybe yeah. a lot of kids get their hair colored and I just didn't know it. Sure. Yeah. Sherilyn also had a son from her previous marriage. His name is Colton and he had no idea where his mother and the rest of the family might have gone. He had been living with her up until about two weeks before the family went missing. And then he went to live with his dad in another state. I don't know why that happened at that time. Like, we don't have that information. Like It is pretty interesting, the timeline of it. Like, the mm-hmm. timing. Two weeks that he before. He happened to, yeah, move away two weeks before. But he said that his mom had never mentioned their plans to move to the Red Oak area, which I also did. And again, I don't even know how old Colton was, but— I didn't find that odd because if you are just considering moving, I could see that being something that you don't sit down and tell your kids until it's a done deal. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we are like closing on this house in 45 days. So, okay, now we're going to start talking to the kids about, okay, we're going to move and and maybe he did go move, he did go live with his dad because she knew that they were going to be moving to a remote area and he, you know, they wanted him to still go physically to school or, you know, I don't know, but I don't think it's super weird that he didn't that she didn't tell him that they were planning to buy this land because right. it wasn't a done deal yet. They were just going to look at it. Yeah. Okay, but remember how we didn't find Sherilyn's pistol in the car and she carried it with her every, everywhere? It also was not in the house. Nobody had been able to locate the missing gun anywhere. And investigators started to wonder, okay, are we looking at a possible murder-suicide? Because, you know, they had that letter that Sherilyn had written to Bobby. And... They're getting all this information about how much stress the family was under. And so the police wonder, okay, did one of the parents murder their spouse in Madison before ending their own life? If that was the case, though, where were the bodies? And it would have been difficult to murder two people and then turn the gun on themselves, whichever one it was, all while making sure that all three bodies were completely hidden. Mm -hmm. It just—it didn't seem to fit, but— At the same time, I mean, again, if this is such a rural area, if they're just out in the woods somewhere, I mean, that wouldn't be that hard. Like, it's just, you're just out in a place where not a lot of people get to. Yeah. I don't know. As investigators searched further into the Jameson's past, they learned that there were several stressors that were causing rising tensions in the household. So we've mentioned this briefly, but In 2003, Bobby was in a serious car accident. He was struck by one car on the driver's side of his vehicle and then struck by another car on the passenger side. Sounds like a very, very intense and serious accident. That is so scary. He suffered chronic back pain and he couldn't work. And he had been prescribed pain medication, but it, it really didn't help. And it was difficult for him on some days to even just get out of the bed and do things around the house. And he started to become depressed. And I mean, he really struggled with that. Understandably so. That's uh, completely so difficult to live with chronic pain. I know. Yes. Investigators were presented with a new lead informing them that in July of that year, just three months before their disappearance, the Jamesons took in a border. So in exchange for them providing this person a place to live, the border would help Bobby with manual labor and work on the residence. And Bobby was like, you know, this will help. We'll have a second set of hands. You know, Sherilyn won't have to be responsible for everything when I'm having trouble kind of thing. Um, I mean, he was in so much pain. And it wasn't long before the border started to make both Sherilyn and Madison super uncomfortable, especially if Bobby wasn't there. So in the disappeared episode, they basically set it up like this, right? Like it wasn't long before this he he started making people uncomfortable. And it was specifically Sherilyn and Madison. And I was in my mind going a different direction. I was like, is he making a pass at Sherilyn? Or Oh, yes. The way he made them uncomfortable, you're not ready for. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, definitely something like aggressive sexually or something. Yeah. No So one day, Bobby left to run an errand, and the boarder sits down on the couch, very close to Sherilyn. His face is, like, in her face, and he told her that he was a white supremacist, and he didn't like how she kept talking about how she had Native American blood in her. And then he said he thought anyone who wasn't pure white should die. Sherilyn, though, instead of just, like, cowering and being like, okay, I'm just, you know, like, I mean— I feel like this, that's what I would do. I would just be like, and there's nothing wrong with that, but just being like, okay, this person makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to talk to him. Like, I don't want to say anything to him. Right. She was like, fuck this shit. She goes, like, she grabs Madison. She goes into the back of the house. She gets Bobby's gun. She pointed the gun at him and was like, you get off this property and you do not come back. And he did not listen at first. She fired several rounds at his feet before he finally left. And Sherilyn's friend said that, you know, she was terrified Of course, but she still felt horrible for, I mean, pointing a gun at shooting at somebody, but she was, I mean, I would be in fear for my life if somebody said that to me. My husband was gone. It's just me and my young daughter. Well, and it is an, it's exactly a threat on her life. A hundred percent. Yeah. So like, good for you, Sherilyn, I feel like. I know. I mean, she wasn't putting up with it and I am Mm -mm. here for it, but what kind of fucking he, they
2: uh,
1: They were doing him a favor you live in their home yeah right I mean of course he he's earning his keep he's busting his hump right but at the same time it's like who could, what okay uh-uh. here's uh-uh. an open uh, message to white supremacists let's say okay. as a whole who gives you the fucking right to say shit like this and feel this way yeah. fuck off F- yeah. fuck off with that's that that's just thinking. so much hate it's I just know. so much hate. Like, why would you want to live that way? No why idea. would you want to live that way? No, no person is better than any other person. Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. You really think that because of your lineage or your DNA or whatever, that you're better than other people? Yes. I don't know. And fucking I guarantee you, so. if you actually like went back through this guy's like, you know, lineage, there's gonna be something that he would be like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> right? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I hope all fuck of them off. get 23andMe. In the middle, <laughs> yeah, for Christmas, exactly. and then they, yeah, um, you'd be like, oh, okay, never mind. Then tough day when you find out that you're, you know, a quarter or you know, a exactly 16th like, yeah, Native American, you fucking prick. Oh God, I know. I can't it, seriously, just like, don't be horrible people. My God, just yeah. Can we just love everybody? Can we just love others? If you agree, mm-hmm. agree to disagree, at the very least, like. You're not better than anybody, and nobody no. deserves to die for—I just can't. Okay, all right. I know. Yeah, it's all like, right. why Why do you have to say it's out loud? Yeah. 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 So, finding this border became a priority to investigators, and the FBI was able to identify him from a discarded prescription bottle in the Jameson's truck, but locating him was a different story. Eventually, the U.S. marshals were assigned to him. I also thought this was very interesting that, like, we we really don't get any information about how the FBI became involved, right? And the marshals and stuff. But like, well, I guess maybe because there was a child, possibly. But I also do child? know. I mean, Sheriff Beecham definitely said yeah. like, we were ill-equipped. Like, this is a small. Yeah, maybe they just asked for help. Maybe. Which is, I mean, good, good on them. On yeah. Yes. So they find him living in Wilburton, Oklahoma. The FBI interviewed him, but he had an alibi, and it was pretty rock solid. They were able to remove him from their suspect list. Too bad you can't arrest people for just being complete pieces of shit. But. I know. I'm like, can you not find something? I know. With no solid leads and still no evidence as to where the Jamesons were, investigators continued to learn everything they could about the family. So friends said that Bobby and Sherilyn had very strong interest in spirituality. Some of her beliefs were even described as strange and over-the-top, so they had both attended prayer meetings in the weeks leading up to their disappearances. The preacher at the church said that they'd come in to see him because they'd been seeing spirits in their home. Sherilyn was convinced that angels were coming into their home disguised as children and interacting with Madison. She believed Madison was talking to people who had died. She had a, quote, friend named Emily, and her grandmother was like, I mean, it's an imaginary friend. Like, kids will have imaginary friends, many times to cope with the stress of she was like the way that she talked about it was that Bobby and Sherilyn were fighting so much that it was traumatic for Madison. Like that's how she described it. Yeah, understandably so. So she needs um some kind of an outlet or release or yeah. escape. From- yeah. And it's not uncommon for young children to have imaginary friends, you know? So she just felt like that's what it was. But Sherilyn was convinced that these were like spirits and that Madison was interacting, like, with the dead, and, you know, the family kind of disagreed with that idea. Um, the preacher also said, though, that Bobby had told him that he'd seen spirits on top of their home. And he had asked the preacher if there was a special bullet he could buy to kill the spirits. And when Bobby's mom was told about this later, she said it didn't sound anything at all like anything that Bobby would have ever said. It seems very out of character for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's concerning if it's
0: true. Mm Mm-hmm. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com That's managementconcepts.com
2: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Sherilyn, though, had also spray painted things all around the neighborhood on signs, abandoned buildings, including that storage container that they had in their front yard that they were going to live in. She recently had had a cat that had died, and she was absolutely convinced it had been poisoned, and she believed somebody in the neighborhood poisoned her cat. One of the phrases that she spray-painted on the storage container was, quote, witches don't like their cats being killed. And she often told neighbors that she was a witch. And when passersby in the neighborhood stared at her, she would yell at them, and she'd be like, why don't you come inside for some witch's brew and... She told her friend that if you had problems with someone, you just like, you make them think that you're crazy and they will leave you alone. And she was like, I mean, it worked. Like, you know, she said that Sherilyn told her the crazier people think you are, the less they're going to give you shit. Like, they're just going to, they're just going to avoid you at all costs. It's an effective way to get people to leave you alone for sure yeah what was that movie it was like early 2000s and it had that dj what was his name dj qual dj Kyle yeah. or whatever oh like, super little the scooter. new guy the new guy yes and he he was like crazy eyes. eyes. yes <laughs> yeah. yes that way nobody would beat him up <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's true it works i mean it works if there's if you need any more proof than that movie Come exactly on. So in late October, investigators discovered that the Jamesons house had surveillance cameras on the outside and they were able to access the the recordings. What was that from? It was from like a Disney movie. Yep. I don't remember. Oh my God, I'm gonna think about it. But anyway, um, specifically the ones from the morning that the family left their home for the mountains. So both of the cameras pointed to the driveway and it showed the three of them packing the truck. So those who've watched the video describe their movements as being in a trance-like state. They don't appear to interact or speak with one another throughout. And it looked like the three of them walked in and out of the home more than 20 times each. They show a little bit of this video in the Disappeared episode. It doesn't seem like they've released the whole thing. The video also seemed really choppy, though. hmm You know, it was more like, I mean, because, t- I mean, a lot of security things, it's not its not actual video. It's, it's snapping pictures stills, every yeah. however many, mm-hmm. yeah, seconds. I mean, that's what it looked like to me. So the trance-like thing, like, I don't really know how you would be able to tell that other than the fact that they're not interacting with each other interacting with each yeah. other but if if you're going in and out like if you're on a mission and going in and out of the house just grabbing shit and putting it in the car i don't know i guess you would like say to each, hey where do you want this hey what do you think you know like i guess you would say some stuff to each other but he like sheriff beecham also said it was really weird how many times they went in and out and he was like each of them went in and out at least 20 times yeah like, each. Yeah. It definitely seemed strange. But they also kind of, the way that Starlet talked about it, they kind of seemed like they thought it was weird that they had security cameras. Well, yeah. They thought it was weird on Bobby's part to have security cameras. But, like, Ugh. I mean, now everybody has security cameras on their, like, door on their house. Yeah, the ring cameras and things like that. Yeah, but, I like, I don't know why they thought it was so weird. I don't either. And there's a completely plausible explanation. Yeah. But even if like just Bobby wanted it, like it's not weird. Absolutely. It's not weird. I wonder if they were trying to, again, be like, well, you know, drugs, because maybe they needed to see who was coming and going and, you know. Right. Or or did they have like, was Bobby paranoid about something or somebody made a threat against him or something like that? It's just, I mean, and during this time, I guess security cameras in your house was not as mainstream as it is now. Right. And it's still. not, I mean, their actual, cam- like, I remember, gosh, it wasn't as early as 2009, but let's say 2000, I lived in a house um, with roommates and it was 2014, 15. And we had cameras outside, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I had nothing to do with it. I moved in and they were there already, but it's like, you know, yeah. People were stealing packages from the porch. So they were like, we're just going to get some cameras to put up. But mm-hmm. it's not uncommon. It's not crazy. Also, I just wanted to um, say that the the whispering, the p- 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 it's from The Reluctant Dragon. <gasps> yes, it is. Yeah. Great movie. If mm-hmm, you guys haven't watched it, the entire movie is like black and white and kind of in real, like a real life movie. But if you fast forward to the cartoon part... It's so get great. out of here. It's pretty short. It's so good. It's adorable. there's a <laughs> very um, emotional poem about pineapple upside down cake. It's great whole thing. The top, such a bottom. It's <laughs> so funny. Okay, single tear. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Bobby's mom, Starlet. I can't. I I, I don't want to call her, her the mom. I have to call her Starlet because it's adorable. So right name. Yeah. Yes. So she said that the cameras that were on Bobby's house she had them put up she and Bobby had both been threatened by her ex-husband who is Bobby's father Bob Dean right mm-hmm. multiple times so she had them installed at her house and Bobby's for safety yeah. and you know, still concerned with Sherilyn's mental state on the day of the disappearance as well as the time leading up to it. Police spoke with her doctor and the doctor told them that she had suffered from bipolar disorder. She didn't always take her medication as prescribed and her family said she was like two different people. If she was taking her medicine, she was in a good mood. She was happy. But if she wasn't taking her medicine, she was angry, she was hateful and belittled herself. So police believed this could have explained the letter that they found that she'd written to Bobby And even though it might have explained Sherilyn's journaling and letter, investigators did not believe that her struggles with her mental health had anything to do with the family's disappearance. Nope. Again, it's like evidence abounds, but none of it, it's like, well, yeah, but I don't think that had anything to do with it. Just like this weird border situation. Like, okay, he definitely seems like a nut job and hateful as fuck, but he didn't have anything to do with it. Like dead ends everywhere. Yeah, it's gotta be so frustrating that you find your, like, a really good possible lead, and then you're like, yeah. "Oh, never mind." Yep. So so far, the investigators had a lot of theories as to what could have happened to the Jamison family, but really, there's no evidence to back up anything. They felt confident that while the family was heading back down the mountain, someone came up that one way road, and that caused the family to stop. And what happened next? Obviously, still a mystery. By November 1st, the case seemed to have gone cold. And this is less than a month since the family's truck was found. But without any more clues, investigators are completely stumped. You know, one thing that I thought about was an Israel Keys type person. Mm -hmm. Because this is a super remote area. And a lot of people were like, you know, it's really unlikely that they would encounter somebody because it's so remote. But, you know, I mean, he... That was his exact MO. Mm-hmm. Like going to super remote places burying those kill kits, you know? Yeah. Putting absolutely. hundreds and hundreds of miles on a rental car and just whoever he encountered that was it, you know? Well, and I hate to say it this way because it's completely morbid and awful, but this would have been this would have made his day to find a family of 3 mm-hmm. in a remote area completely on their own. Yeah. The only thing is the dog, but not known to, but if it's locked in the truck, exactly. If for some reason they got out of the truck and they were like, we're just going to walk over here and take a look or whatever. We're going to leave the dog in the truck just for right now. I don't think it's fair to rule that out. Exactly. On November 16th, 2013, just over four years after the Jameson's truck was found on the mountain, a man who was out scouting for deer found a human skull in a pile of fallen leaves and two more were nearby. This was 2.7 miles away from where the Jamesons' truck had been discovered. The man called the police, who responded quickly with a full investigation team. Among the leaves were the three skulls, bones, and bone fragments and pieces of clothing. Investigators and friends and family of the Jamesons felt confident this is them, finally. It's Bobby, Sherilyn, and Madison. But because the remains were so badly decomposed, it took eight months for forensic scientists using DNA and dental records to confirm these suspicions. They had indeed discovered the remains of the missing Jameson family. The bodies were found in a remote part of the mountain called Smokestack Hollow. This was an area that was rarely traveled, and the bodies were located on a very steep incline. This could have explained why the bodies weren't found during the initial searches, if they had already been there. Reports said that the almost three-mile distance between the truck and the bodies was as the crow flies. So the route to walk from their truck to Smokestack Hollow was winding and difficult, and that would have been like seven miles that they would have had to travel to get Mm -hmm. there. So this would have been a very long walk for a six-year-old, because as we know, <laughs> when we go on a walk around our neighborhood, these children will run circles in the—they they just want to run circles in the yard. Let's see how many circles we can run in the yard. And we're like, okay, we're going to walk from here to right over there. And they're like, oh, I'm so tired. My legs are hurt. I need to be carried. Like— <laughs> she ain't walking seven miles no but also bobby had that chronic back pain there's no way he could have walked that far no i would think that that would have taken a ton out of him to just even especially with it being a pill winding yes it's yes treacherous i mean if there are days he cannot get out of the bed he's in so much pain he's not walking seven miles right. yeah a pill and all that reports also said that the remains were all face down and arranged in a row However, with how long the remains had been exposed to the elements and animals, it was difficult to tell what position they'd been in when they died. The medical examiner—I almost oh. said examiner. Oh, I like That's that. Cool, yeah, right? I want That'd to be, be a medical examiner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. Uh, now we need to start having like true crime hero movies. The Examinator. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this Examinator was unable to determine causes of death for the family. This uh, Examinator did note, however, that there was a small hole in the back of Bobby's head that could have been from a bullet, but it also could have been from animal activity. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to, like, were there holes in the other skulls? Or were they just so badly decomposed that you couldn't even tell if there were holes in the others? Like, I feel like for them to be face down, that feels like execution. Like, get down on your knees. Well, and it is interesting that, I mean, like, unless somebody had repositioned them that way, they said that they were, it had been so long and the conditions and all these things, they didn't know how they were positioned when they did pass away. But an animal is not going to line them up like that. Exactly. Face down. Yeah. Wouldn't that be how they? But also, I mean, I guess I wonder too, if they, if this, if it was, you know, an execution of sorts. Yeah. Would their bodies still be lined up in a row like that face down? Or because of animal activity, would would they have been moved around and scattered more? Yeah, I don't, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if it was, if if there was proof of animal activity, like, they're not going to be like, I'll put it back where I found it. They are yeah. going to drag it all over the place. So I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Again, it's like, it doesn't help like they found their bodies but it i mean it i'm not saying it doesn't help like the family have you know and they'll never have closure i understand that but like as far as figuring out what happened to them it it didn't help mhm yeah like it's just because it, you know everybody thought okay we're when we find their bodies we're going to finally know what happened and that just wasn't the case like it just gave them more unanswered questions and it seemed yeah. as though the only thing investigators had were just theories yeah the first theory Mm-hmm. You want to take over? Or? Oh no, that's fine. You 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 definitely are taking over. It seems like so oh you, no no because you just you just talked a whole oh, lot, no. so I didn't know if um if you oh, wanted I no. I don't want to put you out. This is your show. I'm just I'm just hanging out on it. You know what I mean? You go. I don't want to now, bitch. <laughs> okay, so the first theory is murder suicide, and considering the difficulties that Sherilyn and Bobby were having in their marriage, along with Bobby's chronic pain and Sherilyn's continued difficulty with her mental health. It was possible that either of them murdered Madison and their spouse and then ended their own life. But if this was the case, where was the murder weapon? If Sherilyn's gun had been used, it seemed that the gun would likely be nearby and there would be obvious evidence of a gunshot wound. Given how far off they, or how far they were found off of the road, it would have been quite the hurdle to have a man with chronic back pain, like we said, and a child walk that far. So Sherilyn's mother said that her daughter and Bobby were good parents, even though they had issues. They would never let anything happen to Madison unless it was completely out of their control. I just don't think that this is what happened. I don't think that they would pack all this shit up in their truck, drive to go look at this Why bring all the plot money? of land, yeah. have all this money, yeah, and just... Like, they didn't make any—neither of them made any moves that were, like, goodbye moves Mm -hmm. or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and I don't think they would have done anything to Madison. No. Tarala, why don't you tell us the second theory? Okay. So this theory is that Bobby's father was behind their deaths. Early in 2009, Bobby had filed a restraining order against his father. 67-year-old Bob Dean Jameson had threatened to kill Bobby and his family multiple times. In the submission for the restraining order, Bobby wrote that his father hit him with his vehicle and described him as a, quote, very dangerous man who thinks he's above the law. He also added that his father had ties to gangs and meth. He told the judge how fearful he and his family were of his father. The judge did not grant him the protective order, though. (laughs) Police determined that he had a solid alibi and dismissed this as being a plausible theory. And then Bob died two months after his son and family disappeared. Crazy I mean if his if he was threatening them so much and he threatened starlet too like why deny the protective order? Well, people who aren't even actually being threatened like oh, I don't know who, Jamison hmm yep. Jamie yeah. gets a protective order anytime he wants one. Right, right. yeah, seriously but okay, fine. So another theory believed by the public was that the family fell victim to maybe Nazis or white supremacists. In 2010, after the disappeared episode on The Jameson Family aired, Sherilyn's good friend, Nikki Chanold, said that she received a very strange call. The caller, who was a woman, said that she used to belong to a white supremacy group and had seen a book of names that the group had a problem with and that they intended to, quote, take care of. The caller said that she tried to memorize the names from the book to later go home and look them up. Some of them came back or that came back are missing people, including the Jamesons. This caller also reportedly told Nikki about a unique insignia that Bobby had on his wedding ring. She said she heard conversations between the men in this group that they were clearly talking about Sherilyn, Bobby, and Madison and how they dealt with them. And then the caller said that one of the men reported having sexual thoughts about Madison. <sighs> this led Nikki to believe that perhaps the target in the family may have been Madison. And this theory connected back to the border that Jam- the Jamesons had once had, who Sherilyn had ran out of the house with the gun when he expressed his favorable opinions regarding white supremacy. So, uh, okay, so I guess if this guy... Like, how would this group know that Sherilyn had a fraction, you know, like she she was part Native American. She looks white. I mean, they all look white. So, like, if you are racist and you see them, I don't think you would know. Right. You know? So it's like, would this guy have had to have ties with this group? And maybe he said something about it. I'm living with these people. And this woman talks about how she's like, part Native American. I don't know. And that's how they got on the radar because you wouldn't be able to look at them and be like, oh, she's got to be, you know, like 16th Cherokee or whatever. Like... Right. There's no way, like... I don't know. I don't know. It just seems... That kind of a story, like, I'm assuming the police followed that up, you know, diligently. I mean, they seem to do a lot of work on this and probably found it to be not credible or I feel like we would have heard more about it. But... You know how people are? People are just awful. And when they hear about, you know, people that are missing or people that have been murdered or whatever it is, they will call and just make shit up. Just to get their 10 minutes of fame or just to get off on, you know, mm-hmm. being. Just to feel uh, connected. Listening like, to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was, I can't remember which case it was now, but somebody had called and been like, oh yeah, I killed that person and buried them in the woods or whatever because they felt like the family needed closure and they felt bad for the family. And were like, well, at least if they think that I murdered them, then. Wasn't that Patrice? Yes, yeah. I was like I knew it was something we recently covered. Yeah. Yeah. No, that doesn't make anybody feel any better, you dipshit. No. Because then when they find out, they have to relive it, reopen that w- it's just it's it's hateful. It is hateful yeah, and it's it irresponsible is. and it's fucking mean, but Yeah. So, a widely believed explanation as to what led the Jamisons uh, to the Jameson's death was that they had gotten themselves in trouble with drugs. I okay. I feel like we've disproved this already, but People still believe it. So, meth was extremely popular in the area of Oklahoma where they lived. This could explain the large amount of cash that the family was carrying. And to this day, no one is quite sure where the money came from. And considering that both Bobby and Sherilyn were struggling financially, it really doesn't make sense. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah. But, like, if they were, if, okay, where did the money come from? Are you thinking the money came from them selling drugs? Did they literally sell every single bit that they had? And there's no evidence that drugs were ever in their home. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how selling drugs works, but like, it just—I don't know. It seems like you'd find some kind of evidence. I would think so, of either use or. Well, sales. I was going to say. I mean, if I'm not sure if they are just tying them to drugs in the drug, uh, the, uh, the drug dealing capacity, or if they're mm-hmm. also saying that they were users as well. Because if they're users as well, you would find something, I would think. You definitely would find something, yeah. And they, because they said that they they thought the reason they looked in a trance-like state was maybe that they were on drugs during that, you know, video. I cannot imagine if you are an active drug user that you would have yeah. not one piece of paraphernalia, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. something. A baggie, something in your house, even if you're hiding it from your spouse, even if your spouse doesn't know you're doing it, it's hidden. It, there is something somewhere, mm-hmm. there's something somewhere, yeah. And when the police are going to tear your house apart like they do, they will find it, absolutely, you know. Like, I, yeah, it just doesn't, I don't know, it does, it does not make any sense to me. And why no. we're still talking about it is, is beyond me, I just don't understand it. But yeah, you know, they're thinking, okay, so if they had been. Murdered, why would the killers have left the money in the car? And it seems like they would have, you know, found it if they searched the truck. And some people thought that perhaps the Jameson stumbled upon a meth lab or a drug transaction that they weren't supposed to see. Now, that is fine with me. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that all day long because that could happen. It'd be Mm -hmm. like, you know, somewhere in the mountains in Virginia or here, even in Smoky Mountains, coming across a moonshine still or something, you know, like. But also, just wondering about, I don't know a whole lot about meth. Um, but like, if you're on meth, are you just walking around looking like a zombie and not talking to anybody? Or doesn't it like hype you up? Isn't it? Oh, I don't I couldn't tell you. Not sure about that. is like, Isn't it like people on meth, they don't, they will like stay awake for like days on end. I thought it was an upper, but I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know either. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Just the whole thing is like, um, I, but it seems to be the most popular theory. Yeah. I don't know. Which is interesting, but yeah. So there are several other theories that the public believes might have led to the death of the Jameson family and cults, witchcraft, or a pedophilia-motivated murder. And despite there being pieces of each theory that fit with what's been found and what's known, none of the pieces fit with everything. So there's always something to contradict each one. And because of this, the mysterious deaths of Bobby, Sherilyn, and Madison have never been solved. Hmm. It remains unknown if they met with foul play or their deaths were caused by someone in the family. Their causes of death are listed as undetermined, and Sherilyn's pistol has still never been located. Many investigators strongly believe that the family met with foul play. Prior to the discoveries of their bodies, many armchair detectives believe that the family had been placed in witness protection program, possibly after working with police to bust drug dealers. Unfortunately, this clearly was not the case. If you have any information on the deaths of the Jameson family, please contact the Latimer Police Department at area code 918-465-2161. And um, I'm willing to start a petition that says Sheriff Beecham should be shirtless at all times. (laughs) If that's something we want to do. So I'm just I'm putting it out there. Yeah, I'd be the first uh, signature on that one. I like it. Yeah. All right. All these theories, if we, if we may, if we have a, I know we've been talking till the cows come home here, but um just real quick, all the theories, I'm like, are you pulling them out of your ass? Like, if, if that's what we're doing here with yeah. like, oh, they must have been in the witness protection program. And then, you know, from because of this and this and this, like, okay, well, let's go back to um the Diot-Love past or whatever. When we covered that, like, maybe it was aliens. Maybe it was tall grays, yeah. Maybe, you know, yeah, like, like, seriously, I'm. I'm fine with you saying, okay, here's a list of like possibilities and we'll cross them off as we get there. But like, yeah, what, where's the evidence to even bring this in? Yeah. And then why are we not, why are we not crossing them off when the evidence isn't, I just don't, whatever. Yeah. I don't get it. But yeah, it just feels like the, the drug thing should be crossed off. I mean, again, maybe it's an active investigation. Maybe they're keeping a lot of stuff close to the best, but sure. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. From where I'm sitting, I'm not seeing it, but... Either way, that shirt needs to pop right off. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I was hoping... Nothing we knew about that. It was a tight little number on him, and I was like, maybe it'll just unbutton on its own, but can't always get what we want. But guys, thank you so much for listening. We absolutely adore you, and we hope you have a great rest of your week whenever you're listening, but please um, join us next time. We hope to hang out with you again, but we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Okay, you guys, it's shout-out time! Shout-out time, it's shout-out time! The time we're most grateful! Yay! We want to give a Hey Girl thanks to some of our newest patrons. Thanks to Stephanie Mason, Kinsey Kirkpatrick, Kirkpatrick Chelsea Martin, <laughs> Stephanie Tidbull, Katrina Melton, <laughs> Jessica Bill Bivens, <laughs> Amy Potter, <laughs> Shayla Manning, Alyssa Elisa Padilla, <laughs> Grace Edge, <laughs> Lisa C., Darren Parrott, Caitlin, Carly Rogers, Emmy Reinwald, Destiny Manier, Manier, and Casey Stark. Thank you guys so much. We love you. We love you. Yeah, and again, you know, as always, if you want us to butcher your name, join the Patreon at $10 or higher. Yeah, we will be sure to fuck it up. Fuck it right up. Yep, that's (laughs) what we do. We love you. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show.